Hey everybody, I'm Ben Rikosh, sitting here with Soren Povasils, and this is Paper Thin Thoughts. We, short-sighted, ill-advised, thought-provoking dimwits, speak our truths on trending topics that we experience in our daily lives. And this week, we had an insanely interesting interview with none other than Mr. Wood. We talked about countries, his life, what was it? Wisconsin, Wisconsin states, yep, every state, everything with uh, Mr. The One and Only Jelly Wood. So, and then we kicked it off into the highlights with an actual quote this week. Uh, yeah, good from tweet. 2015. You'll have to wait for that. And then a tricky quote that I couldn't even understand. So be sure to stick all the way to the end. So it's it's a lot of fun. We are joined today by the person that Soren called a couple of weeks ago, and I quote directly, the genuinely most interesting person in this whole school. Oh, it sounds like a commercial. Uh, Mr. It's, true. <laughs> it's true. Mr. Jolly Wood, a first-year English teacher here at CHS and the assistant wrestling coach, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we could get it done. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time in the making. Mr. Wood... Were you you were born in Wisconsin, right? I was born in Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. yeah, Nebraska. Man, we got it wrong. It's well, it's Omaha Council Bluffs. It's the same city divided by the uh, river. Okay. So Iowa Council Bluffs is on the Iowa side. Omaha is on the Nebraska side. My whole family's from down there. Gotcha. And what what led you here to Charlottesville? Um, well, grew up in Wisconsin, and uh, I re- I went to University of Wisconsin Madison. I really loved it, and then. I was working in commercials. I used to write television commercials for cable TV, and I hated it. Oh, man. Um, and, like, part of the job entailed, like, having to watch television all the time to make sure your commercials are coming down. So it was always on. Um, and so I decided uh, when, I, when I was an undergrad, I got some scholarly articles published that I probably shouldn't have, but I was able to get it done. So um, I had missed a chance to go study abroad when I was an undergrad and so I decided let's try it again why I was applying to grad schools and I applied to a a few in the U.S. but I also applied to one in Canada one in Ireland I got in over there loved it didn't want to leave Um, so after I finished my degree I stayed there for like a year and worked and I came back and I was teaching uh, in Wisconsin at a university there and I was DJing for Wisconsin Public Radio and I thought my experience in getting a master's degree was really positive so I wanted to keep going with that yeah and so I started looking at grad schools. Um, and when I was an undergrad at Wisconsin, I had two professors that were really influential to me um, who had both gone here. So they had recommended it. And when I did my campus visits, I had a pretty good time when I yeah. was here. So um, largely because of one person, you know, a couple of people that they really were into music. And so we were able to go out and you know, get some pizza and just talk music a lot. And like, okay, these are people I can click with. Pizza in Charlottesville? Uh, it wasn't great, but yeah. the, it was a good time. Yeah. And going back to those commercials, what type of commercials do you make? Cause that's really, oh, really okay. interesting. So it was, it was literally the kind of thing like, do you know who Lou Reed is? The no. singer of the Velvet Underground? I've heard of that. <laughs> like, damn, but not that exact singer. Before he started the Velvet Underground, he worked for a music production studio, um, where, Bands would come in and they want to do a love song. They'd want to do a rock and roll song or something. And they would just put him in a room and he would have to write, fill out these you know, contracts 
that these bands wanted to produce some sort of song. Mm-hmm. He'd have to write the songs. So that's kind of what I had to do. So I'd come in and they would put me in a room and I'd have like, you know, 15 contracts laid out. It had to be 15 seconds or 30 seconds or 45 seconds. It might be for like a, a car company or a furniture company or something like that. And I'd have to come up with like, here's their budget and here's what they kind of want to hit on. Then I would have to come up with something creative that would meet their budget and that we could get it produced and throw it out there. And then I would often have to present it to the client to make sure that, you know, they understood it. And then we'd go out and produce the commercial and then make sure that it aired. So a lot of like local things like that, some national things. And then I would also do, uh, um, this is my favorite part of the job was the, uh, uh, the classifieds. So, um, so like, for puppies up for adoption, that kind of thing. Yeah. If, um, like, if they would come as pairs, I would write it in rhyming couplets, mm-hmm. something like that. And I would have to go into a booth and record it all and then put that up as well. Oh, so you, you also, like, did the advertisements. You didn't just write the script. Yeah, some, sometimes, yeah. And I was in a few commercials, um, usually, like, furtively in the corner, just kind of, like, hiding my eyes or something. But, yeah. If we look deep on the internet, could we find these? Probably not because that was before, um, that was still like we were using tapes and we were just transitioning into satellites. So um, I had one that might still be around because it got, I have one legendary commercial. So we got to look for that. What was the? Have you ever heard of a person named Tommy Thompson? Probably not. He ran for president when you guys were like maybe barely born. He was a governor of Wisconsin for like three terms. Three, maybe four terms, but a lot too long. He had a brother named Ed, and Ed had a, a restaurant near where I was from, where I was working, called the Teepee. And Ed got busted with a bunch of other um, restaurant owners for running illegal gambling machines out of their establishments. Mm-hmm. He was the only one that pled not guilty. He had already done a few commercials with us before, so he wanted to do another one where he wanted the police raiding his establishment. And that was going to be too obvious, so... Um, I had to write this thing, and so I, I had him set up the restaurant like a casino. And I started out with Ed at the bar saying, don't gamble on your next meal, bet on the teepee. Mm. And then everything is done like a casino. So with a, um, the waitress will come up, and she goes up to the table, okay, who's in? They knock the table like they're playing cards. She dealt out the menus like, like cards. Mm-hmm. Everyone's ordering like club sandwiches. You know, they got passed under the table. And then the final scene was Ed buttering a breadstick and we're doing something with a breadstick at the, at the bar and it breaks and he goes, busted <laughs> that. So it aired in our region and the governor saw that was Tommy Thompson at the time, got furious and he threatened legal action for us, against us. And so we checked with our lawyers and it was, we didn't mention the case. It was all irony and it was protected under free speech. So it went statewide and it aired all around the state in parts of Minnesota, Illinois and Iowa. And because he was the only one that pled not guilty, there was still a trial coming up. But mm. because so many people saw the commercial, they couldn't get a jury, and he was acquitted. Man, <laughs> that's a, that's insane, man. That was the last so, commercial I did before I left the country. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you've been wrestling coach for how long here? Uh, for, since I came here four years ago. Okay. Um, we and had an Afghan student in the learning lab. Uh, when I was just introducing myself to the students, he was going out for wrestling. He was a senior at the time. And he told Mr. Wilkerson that I was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And so one day after school, he just showed up at my door with Coach Wilkerson. <laughs> he was like, oh, you look like a wrestler. Can you help us work on setups? And it was postseason. So, okay. And no, that was preseason. And uh, I went in and I said I was going to, because I had a second job at the time, I said I was just going to do this on the days I didn't work my second job early morning. 
mm-hmm. and after the first day I've been there every day since. Oh man. And you you just placed over the weekend what was it, fifth and sixth? We had two wrestlers place fifth and sixth at states, yeah. And what was that like for you? What was what were the emotions, the atmosphere around? Roller there? coaster. Terribly exciting. Incredibly exciting. It's these kids have put in so much work. Um Javi Castaneda and Walter Pilkey over the course of their life to get to that point where they're it's hard to explain just how weird wrestling is as a sport because there's there are so many different positions that you have to learn and have to try to master and most people only get like four or five yeah. they're just doing like a high school career they've got maybe you know three positions in neutral three positions from bottom three positions from top and a few pinning combinations that's it but when you get to that level there are manifold more and to understand all those positions let alone be able to do them at you know at a high level where you're doing them explosively and with power and quickly and and timed right that takes so much and then to get you have to have a good record throughout the season developing across the season qualify through the sub-regionals to the regionals qualify through the regionals to states and then to get through states that's just a grind that's a two-day tournament and the fact that they're able to pull it out and just like uh you know they kept their heads up they kept their attitude together they kept uh you know they're able to make weight the next day that's another part of it you got to make weight while you're doing this so it's it there's nothing like it it's high level of discipline a high level of focus and couldn't be prouder of them that's awesome uh, if you can like name in three or five words what the sport of wrestling has like what about it has kept you so involved over the years why did you go back after that first day and why have you stayed there what what's what's it about for this sport to you um physical literacy would be one way to put it uh there's I love the training, the training of it, where you get to make your body do things that it's really, I'm going way more than five words, but (laughs) it's meant to do things that we forget how to do. So you see this in the animal world all the time. Um, When I was in college, I used to run to this Madison, University of Wisconsin. There was a zoo about three miles from where I lived. It's one summer. And I would go for a run, go there, and it was free. And I'd walk around, it was a really nice little zoo, and there was an orangutan exhibit. And the baby orangutans would do all the same stuff that you see wrestlers do. Hmm. So they're, they're collar tying and grabbing legs and snapping down and throwing and all that stuff. And it's just something that we do naturally, but once we start to like sit in chairs and stop climbing trees and that kind of thing, we s- kind of forget how to move our bodies that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um... Do you watch any pro wrestling? Are there any ones that you look <laughs> up to? Or, um, no, not anything, even Brock Lesnar. Anything from uh, back in your, any good stories from back in your day? Not even Brock Lesnar, no. Um, I know he's like the most famous amateur wrestler that became a pro wrestler. There is no way. He's, he should not have won his one NCAA title. The only reason he won was because the guy that he was facing in the finals from Iowa made the wrong choice in double overtime. He chose top when he should have chose down in the second period for the double overtime. All he had to do was get an escape, and he would have won it. But he chose top and tried to ride him out, and he didn't get it, and he lost it. So, no, I'm not, I'm not that, that big on pro wrestling. I don't mind it. I have a friend who used to do it. Um, but it's not something that I really turn to. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Mr. Wood did have an online learning lab, what was it, every period or – Every period, every period except for BKT and fourth. 
and in those periods you have to check in and Mr. Wood would always have like a really interesting and thought-provoking uh, attendance question and we have a couple or I don't know about a couple but we have one that uh, we picked out that I think that would be really interesting to ask you I think Ben's gonna we do have a couple we have two here uh, first one is what is a subject that you have an encyclopedic knowledge about what's the subject that others go to for you when they have a question about something for are you asking me that question yes oh um Take a uh, page out of your book here. <laughs> well, I guess maybe not fully encyclopedic, but I know quite a, I've got some, I got a grip on like late 20th century wrestling <laughs> history. All right. And I'd say Irish literature too. That's what I went to school for in Ireland. Brief 15 second blip on each of those things. Uh, fun fact about something. Fun facts about something. Dave Schultz, the uh, person who the film Foxcatcher is made about, um, got me my first pair of wrestling shoes when I was a kid. And uh, with Irish literature, I um, only tangentially related to Irish literature. Uh, when Salman Rushdie was under the fatwa, he lived with Bono of U2 for about 10 years. For a long time, he was in hiding for 10 years. And his first public appearance was in Ireland in Dublin. And I went to go see that, and uh, I accidentally knocked Bono on his ass. While he was there. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's hilarious. That's a good story. I was tell. running through a doorway and he was coming the other way. I was trying to get a book before to get signed afterwards and we ran into each other and he only comes up to about my chin. One of uh, Dunder Mifflin, Michael Scott's own um, personal heroes. Bono? <laughs> uh, next, what is your favorite and least favorite smell? <laughs> well, uh, one of my favorite smells is I love dogs. Um, and I had two beagles for about 19 years. And when they're outside, after they come in, there's a smell that they get right behind the top back of their ear. Hmm. And I just say it smells like outside. But um, it's, it's something that happens to their, their fur and their skin when they've been running around outside. And I've always loved that smell ever since I was a little baby. Um, least favorite? Uh, um, I'm not a big fan of cigarette smoke. Yeah, no, that's awful smell. Not a good smell. Ben, do you have a favorite and least favorite smell? I feel like you would have a good one. I really like smell of all, f like the kitchen, mm. but also like a bonfire. Good smell. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good smell. What kind of wood on the bonfire? Uh, I mean, yeah, just really whatever wood. <laughs> it's it's kind of what makes a fire great. Uh, also like gas in a boat. Yeah. Oh, that that's pretty good. A lot of people like gasoline I'm when they ask that I'm question. Yeah, I'm a gasoline smell type of guy. And just obvious like obvious coconut is really mm. good. Um we have another one. Okay. Most underrated food combination. Like one that's <laughs> really weird. Like I, I like Pepsi and milk. Pilk. Oh. It just tastes like my a root dad like that. Um All right. Lime juice, chili peppers, and tuna. Wow, that's random. What what brings all those together? What's it, all right? You, you, and you can use like regular canned tuna. Drain it, and you're gonna cook like put it in a pan with just enough lime juice to sort of cover it, and mm -hmm. diced up or sliced up like chili peppers, some sort of hot pepper, and cook it that way until the lime juice is about gone, and it changes the flavor of the tuna 
and the chili. So it almost tastes like uh, spicy cinnamon. Huh. That's really interesting. I'd make it with, then I'd add cheese and use it for burritos. How did you find that out? Did you just make that or was there a lot of experimenting with college? Oh my. When I was living in Ireland, I also worked at a restaurant. Gotcha. Learned a lot about cooking at that place. Uh, I have two follow up questions for this quick attendance question segment we did. Uh, First, how did you come up with all of them? Like you had to have so many good ones on a (laughs) daily basis. Uh, It took a long time. Um, That's, I was coming up with questions for, you know, four years. And it started out as just like a, it was a suggestion by my partner, Miss Goodwin. Um, it's something I can do with the class at the beginning of class. And I've done that before when I taught college, where I would just have like some sort of icebreaker question. Those are always sort of like annoying a little bit. They yeah. don't really go very far. Yeah. And, and they don't tell us a lot about the other people that you're meeting. So I just wanted to find a... The, I don't even remember the first question I asked. It's probably on my list someplace. But um, I started coming up with a list of questions. I was looking at, like, you know, icebreaker questions, and none of them felt very interesting or deep. So I started, I would look at the news or um, think about, uh, I think one of the first questions I asked was something like, would you rather be chased by three Dr. I-sized Beagles or one beagle-sized Dr. I. <laughs> or no, three beagle-sized Dr. I's or one Dr. I-sized beagle. Something like that. And that just kind of like got the whole thing snowballing. Wow. Do you have a favorite question you ever asked or a favorite answer you ever got? Um, <clears throat> two of my favorite questions are the one about the guy with the camera for an eyeball, Iborg. Uh, what was that one? That was, So he's a film director who lost his eye in an accident. And when he had a prosthetic eye put in, he had a camera built into the prosthetic eye. So in, whenever it's on, it, there's a bright red light that comes out of it. And so he's filming with this eyeball, and it's like literal first-person perspective. Wow. So that one, I was, so the question was like, what, if you could become like part, what cybernetic part would you want to get? Um, and so I was like seeing how people are going to respond to that. Yeah. And I also like the, the one about the um, Chauval Cave in France, the, that prehistoric people were putting um, pictures on the walls there for like 30,000 years. Wow. So if you could go back in time and put something on that wall to be found by a future archaeologist, what would you put on that wall? Wow. Um, and then any favorite answers you got from any of your questions, any memorable ones that stick out? Um, for the cave wall one, uh, there was, it, it was interesting to see, because I've asked that question a couple times, and it's interesting to see how people's responses change because it really shows what was on their minds at that time so like last year there were a lot of warnings about covid um Hmm. and about germs in general and this year it was more about war yeah so um i would have to go back and look at the the actual answers because i would get you know 80 90 answers a day for each question and then i would put it all together as that word cloud so if you can go back in the word clouds and see which ones really kind of pop out because the more people respond that way, the bigger the word is. You did these questions every day for four years. Do you yeah. have an MVP of the questions? An Most MVP. valuable answerer? Oh, you know what? Um, I had M. Heisig yeah. for a while, and he would put a lot of thought into these. And sometimes he would even like write me back with like a second answer or something. So hmm. Yeah, M. Has, M has been on... He's been our shadowed manager. He doesn't listen to a single episode, but he swears he's our biggest fan. <laughs> Mr. Wood, you've 
you have stories about anywhere and everywhere in the whole world. Do you think if we named some countries, you could spit out a fun fact about them? Let's try it. All right. I'm pulling up a random country generator right now online, so this is not pre-planned. Press the button, and it says, uh, I don't know about that country, but let's see if you do. What's the country? Gabon. Gabon. Gabon? Yes. Gabon. That's in Africa. Um, I think that's in West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that West Africa has a pretty deep tradition of wrestling, especially like in Nigeria, where it's sort of a ritual thing. Um, Gabon has a, uh, this is going to come back around to wrestling again. Um, I think they have like a di- different ape populations. Oh and my. Like chimpanzees and so forth. They're, they're around there in Central and West Africa. And there's a wrestler from New York who's in just, he's a freshman this year. He was in eighth grade of last year. New York, you can win state as a uh as you can wrestle in the high school state tournament as an eighth grader and he won it his name's dunia and when he was young he and his uh you see the friends and siblings a few other kids they got attacked by a band of chimps and his the others were killed and he had part of his face ripped off and he had to come to the united states to get reconstructive surgery and he bounced to a, he was in New York and he bounced to a few different uh foster homes while he was getting this care until a wrestling coach brought him in and he started living with him, and the kids started following him to wrestling practice, and he fell in love with it, and he became a wrestler, and he just won state as an eighth grader, and now he's got a chance to win five state titles. That's a movie in the making. That's a documentary right now. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah there's been like two episodes about this kid out so far. His first year, he had to wrestle with a mask on because he was still recovering. Whoa, that's insane. Yeah. Wow. All right, our next country that we pulled up, we'll do three of these. Our next country that we pulled up is Cameroon. Cameroon. Uh, good soccer players. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> when I think of Cameroon, I guess I think of, uh, you know, as part of that, um, that, that, that slave trade yeah. was part of that. And one of the things I think is sort of interesting about what this occurs in the West Coast of Africa and some other countries as well where they do, where they've had some sort of diaspora because of a crisis or disaster is they call it disaster tourism or crisis tourism where you can go there and you can see like what the port was like where slaves were translated, uh, transported from. You can see with the, you know, the, the docks where they would put people up on and judge them by you know, height, weight, whatever, what kind of work they can do. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a way of almost like reliving the trauma yeah. that the people that left that area experienced final final country here denmark denmark um okay scandinavian peninsula yep yep so the denmark is where the people that are in the earliest piece of english literature beowulf are from the spirit aints they're from denmark from that area and that story uh gives rise to much of like what we consider we don't even realize how much it's influenced pop culture today so certainly you know J.R.R. Tolkien used a lot of Beowulf when he was creating first the Hobbit and then just keep working parts of that into the Lord of the Rings he was the foremost scholar of Beowulf at the time before it was just considered like a folktale and then he broke it down and showed like no there are structural elements here and there's actually a lesson in here about how to be a good good leader yeah um there's also what uh, oh so 
I grew up in Wisconsin and lots of Scandinavians there. And there's a food that we'd always have like on Sundays called Kringle. And it's like a, like imagine a date. It's very good. I've had it before. Oh, it's amazing. And I never found it anywhere outside of the state. It's, it's Danish. Um, I never found it anywhere outside of the state until uh, when I came here, uh, Trader Joe's has it. So they sell it regularly. And it comes from Wisconsin, the stuff they get. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for your knowledge on countries. That was fun. <laughs> uh, now we're going to have some Ben's fun facts, and hopefully it'll spark up some conversation. Okay. Uh, you ready? Yeah. Uh, sharks do not know that camels exist. What do you think about that? If they did, would they think of them as a threat or food? I hmm. I think they'd be confused if they saw one. I, I mean, anyone would, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think sharks would be confused if they saw any animal that they didn't know. Because they always, I feel like sharks always want to be the the top dog. And if they saw any animal bigger than them, I don't know what they, what? How, how, like, how they would react to that. What if camels are one of those things where they see it and they're just like, nope. They just yeah, they just walk, walk away. Yeah, they just, I'm done. No, I can't do it. Go yeah. leave that alone. All right, next fun fact. Uh, every book is a remix of the dictionary. <laughs> Isn't that a Mitch Hedberg? I don't know. <laughs> I just found it. I just saw it one day. It kind of is. It really kind of is. And I mean, if you really want to get deep on that, there's an amazing uh, literary critic and philosopher named Jack Derrida that would talk about like, and this is a real rough breakdown of this, but if you want to understand what a word really means and how it is, how it works, you have to go back. You're going to go back to the dictionary, and it's going to lead you to a bunch of other words. Well, if you want to really understand what that original, say camel, if you really want to understand camel means, you're going to have to look up camel. Camel is going to have like mammal and vertebrate and what kind of, what's, what family it belongs to and all that. Well, then you got to look up all those things. And you got to look up all those things. And pretty soon you're just going to this constant circle of connected words. Yeah. Uh, Can't get beyond language. Yeah. I just thought that was a pretty funny fact it a true <laughs> one uh last fun fact here is a joke actually from benny sherman i don't know if you know benny sherman uh he goes here he's, he's a senior he's quite a guy uh it's a hot take hot it's take right. hot take the center of the earth the what the center of the earth what about it it's a hot take that's the take the center of the earth like, i think the joke is that it's hot in the yep. center of the earth a little molten yeah <laughs> 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 that was it. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Wood. <you laughs> that was a good dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, fun facts you want to share that are kind of quirky like these ones? There is one attendance question I've been trying to work up for two years. I couldn't figure out a way to do it. And if you ever want to see that something like really weird, and this started going on a couple of years before chat GPT, do you know oh, what? Yeah. Have you heard of... Uh, um, People of New York, or humans of New York. It's a spin on that. It's an AI that looks at those posts on Instagram and Facebook and scrapes all that information off that, and the AI creates an image that is comprised of multiple images and then text to look like and read like a humans of New York post, but they're, they're bananas. Like some of them are beautiful. Wow. And some of them, you can tell it's just the algorithm is caught in a loop and and they're is this, amazing. Is it like a website or a social yeah, yeah. media account it's called, or what? It's called Bots of New York. Okay. Bots of New York. And dot com? 
Uh, well, it's on it's on Facebook and it's on Instagram, and the post just the AI just creates the post and puts them up there. And one of my favorite lines came from that, and the AI came up with this the the triple whammy of infinity. <laughs> I'll have to go check that out. That's awesome. Uh, that's pretty funny. Well, thank you. Last question we have to wrap it up for you. We we ask every person that comes on the show, what is one piece of advice? great piece of advice that someone has given you and you would like to share with everyone listening? Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> well, for, for high schoolers, I'd say, um, keep your mind and options open, but explore what you're interested in as fully as you can. Because I, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist and here I am teaching English. Um, because I couldn't get away from a certain, few certain things. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't try to keep that option open for me, um, I never would have gone to Madison. I never would have been in Ireland. I wouldn't be in Virginia right now. I wouldn't have met my wife. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that just fell out from that. Mm-hmm. So keeping those options open, but also being disciplined when you're exploring those options would be my advice. Well, thank you, Mr. Wade. I know this has been long time in the making. I'm yeah. very glad that we here this done because this is very I am very too. Intriguing. I was looking forward to this. I enjoyed watching you guys work on your podcast when you were here and then once I started in the classroom there was no time left. Yeah. I'm going to a meeting right now. Well that's awesome. Anything else you want to get off your chest to say to the world before we kick you out of here? I miss asking the questions. I miss talking to everybody in the learning lab. Um, ask one right now and we'll put it on the internet. We'll ask what the people have to say. Oh let me um I got my list here. All right. I keep my list. How long is your list now? How many have you not answered that you want, or not asked that you want to get to? There is, I have a total of about um, probably close to 300 questions. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. So one of them was that because we just had ground dog day and one of my questions was what day would you want to live again and again and again like the oh, film Groundhog oh, day that's a good one that's a good one where can they where can the listeners go answer that ben uh answer it on instagram at ptt underscore pod and then we'll send the answers to mr wood see what everybody has to say yeah i'll make a work cloud of it awesome <laughs> well thank you mr wood really really appreciate it thanks ben yep thanks Sorry. Soren, welcome into the highlights. I got a quick question for you. All right. What is your main takeaway from that super fun conversation with Mr. Wood? Oh, man. My main takeaway is that Mr. Wood knows a lot. I mean, yeah, he he's, can he's pretty bring up any subject and he can probably find a story or a fact that he's learned about it. And he's got unlimited interesting moments that he's gone through or read through his whole life. Ben, what do you take away from that interview one thing that struck me while i was listening back to that conversation was how much i hate the smell of cigarettes oh yeah yeah just not a good smell really don't like it probably like top worst feelings just don't like cigarette smell uh it's awful anyways should we get into the regularly scheduled programming yes ben do you have a tweet of the week this week I do have a tweet. It is from January of 2015, specifically January 21st of 2015. Okay. From a person named Jennifer Wright. It now has 
hundreds of thousands of likes and millions of views and it's pretty interesting tweet it goes as follows every time you get dressed remember that if you die that's your ghost outfit forever hmm it's kind of obscure but it's an interesting thought to ponder i feel like ghosts don't have outfits they're just floating well clouds you've never seen like in the movies the ghosts have like normal clothes on yeah but those are movies i feel like if you're a ghost you're just like a little like gust of wind or little smoke cloud floating around interesting but that does make sense if people did turn into ghosts with their normal clothing then would that change how you would dress ben i mean maybe yeah it's something to think about for sure mm-hmm. especially if you get into your older ages ages yeah and you're like okay i gotta start well, dressing better so be a cool ghost some dangerous that day you know yeah i don't know it's just something to think about you know do you think people actually think like that out there and that's why their fashion is so good i mean i wouldn't doubt it yeah i mean that quote is a bit dated so it's dated but it's still relevant because people die true that is all the time what happens yep which is a problem and a good thing so yep uh just something to think if you had to die if what was what would your one outfit be if you had to live in that forever Mm. that's what everybody in the future knew you by my outfit would probably be like some nice comfortable shoes uh probably like a soccer jersey or something I feel like that defines a ghost, I guess. Like a defining feature of a ghost if you can only yeah. know them for a, an outfit. I guess soccer jersey because I really like playing soccer. So I feel like that would be pretty fitting. But nice. what would you pick to wear as your final outfit? Probably a tuxedo. Okay. <laughs> no, a classy ghost. <laughs> no. But it's something to ponder. Yeah. R- really interesting. Thanks to Jennifer Wright for those thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and what eight years ago? Yeah, I do have something for you to ponder about Ben. What it is, is that? Who said this quote? Oh, guess who said it, Ben? You have. Did you win last week? I think. Yeah, you uh, did. You uh, did. You yeah, did. yeah, yeah. Ben got it right last week. So I'm gonna read this quote, and Ben has to guess out of the two people who said it. The two people this week are Dr. Seuss and Albert Einstein. I think Albert Einstein's been on an episode before, but I'm bringing him back. All right. The quote is as follows. Learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. The important thing is not to stop questioning. Mm. Not to stop questioning. I like this. I like this quote. Can you lay out the two options again? Albert Einstein, a genius, high IQ, or Dr. Seuss, book writer, poet. Pretty, pretty cool dude, I bet. Maybe. Yeah, Dr. Seuss is really one of the coolest dudes ever, but he doesn't speak that sophisticated. He just rhymes random words with things that are made up. So I don't think it's Dr. Seuss. I think it might be Albert Einstein. You're going with Bert? Going with Albert? I think so, yeah. Are you sure? I'm sure. Ben, your streak continues let's go it was albert einstein i'm so smart everybody next week i'm gonna pick a everybody quote that comment. you don't even know who the two people are everybody comment hey everybody ben is so smart they would just be lying but you want people to lie then 
I mean, it's a good thing to comment. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Then your streak continues at two. Two. Do you think, do you, or is it two? Or Maybe you, one day I'll make it up to double digits. That day will be a grand day. What, what would you have to do if that day comes, Ben? We'll throw a party. Okay. We'll, we'll throw a party. What kind of food do you want at that party, Ben? Oh, everything? Okay, I'm going to have to make these quotes really hard at <laughs> at some point because you're Just seeming unlimited to food. catch on. All right, Ben. Do we have a quick question of the week this week? We do. It's a really fun question. It's kind of playing off of something that Mr. Wood was talking about. The question is, if you could uh, live the plot of any popular fictional movie, what would it be? Uh, like not Star Wars, like something that's semi-realistic or, I mean, it's, you could do Star Wars if you want, but that's not. Hmm. Mine would be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. I watched that movie recently, uh, actually in an airplane, and, you know, it's just really good. Sounds like a lot of fun, look like a lot of fun. Um, I think it would be go- cool to go to Chicago reg- regardless, but yeah, seems like a fun movie and a fun time. Man, I'm trying to think because I have, like, the only thing that can pop in my head right now is The Walking Dead, and I would not want to live in The Walking Ooh. Dead. So that's the only show I can think of right now. Any show or movie that you... Maybe a movie? Ooh. What are some good movies? Ooh, Fast and Furious would be pretty cool. Oh, that'd be interesting. What, what character would you be? I would be the dude that's always in the blue car. All right. I don't remember what his name is, but no, he's he's pretty cool. I don't either. Or, oh no, that would that would actually suck. I was gonna say Jumanji, but that would kind of suck. There's a bunch of stuff that's gonna try to kill you the whole time. Well, let's take it to kids in the hall, shall we? Sure. All right, guys. Uh, ben back here with Paper Thin Thoughts. The kids in the hall. Who am I here with? Max Tyree. Will Keenan. Vicky Gonzalez. All right, guys. If you could live the plot from any fictional movie from, like, the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s or the 2010s, what would it be? All I can think of are horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> you say the question one more time. You get so many, like, things. I want to answer. I'd live the plot from the B movie. Uh, if you could relive, Will, any plot from any movie, any fictional movie, what would that be? Uh... Would I have to be a specific character in it? Could I choose the character that I want to be? You can do whatever you want, yeah. Um, I would be, you know the movie um, with the Jaegers coming out of the water? Uh, um, Pacific Rim. You know that movie? Oh, I haven't seen that. so good. Yes. Such a good movie. I would, I would relive Home Alone. <laughs> as, right. Kevin, as Kevin, as Kevin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the robbers. Yeah. I'd be really sad if I was Kevin, because like I'd be sad that my family forgot about me. I mean, yeah, but like it'd be fun after like you start taking down the home intruders. I'd love to go through that scene where they're like, um, gro- when he's like grocery shopping. Yeah. Oh, but then he like has to run away from like the people chasing him. That seems really stressful. But like only the grocery shopping part. Like only the part where he's like in the grocery store. Oh. So you want to go grocery shopping? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Howdy there, people. Thoughts, listeners. 
we had a very chill episode with Mr. Wood. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. Leave a question and a rating. And that question could potentially be answered in a following episode. As always, I'm Soren Postills, accompanied by Ben Rikosh. And this is the Paper Thin Thoughts Podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode. Paper Thin Thoughts is produced by the Shawsville High School Podcasting Network. Executive producers are Jan Horn and Dave Stiper. Senior producers are Ben Rikosh and Soren Postills. This episode was edited and mixed by Ben Rikosh. Music is produced and created thanks to Jacob Lightborn, Miss Waters, and the CHS music production team. Thanks to Mr. Rashad Pitt and the rest of the CHS faculty and staff for the support. PTT out. PTT out.